Hey, what's happening, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast, week two of Nintendo Month. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Yes, this is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Uh, Today's really fun because we're doing a spotlight on the Nintendo Wii console. And How nostalgic. So interesting is when we started this podcast, this was the current generation Nintendo console. Now, that being said, uh, it wasn't so current gen, even in its day, uh, when you're talking about graphics and processing, but the thing that made the Wii the sort of remarkable generation-defining console that it was, was the way that it introduced so much of the world to motion-controlled gaming, and it's something that just... It's a whole conversation that surrounds the Wii, but what's going to be fun about today's episode is we're not going to really be talking that much about the console, its specs, what made it, you know, unique to gaming. Um, but Just what we're going to awesome be focusing music. on, yeah, <laughs> is the incredible library of stellar titles that have just some of the best video game music in recent memory of all time and if you've been under a rock for the past you know 30 years yes the nintendo we saw some phenomenal video game music starting with soundtracks that felt more similar to gamecube kind of quasi general midi sounds but eventually we got full orchestras we got full ensembles very eclectic very very good quality music on this playlist well and some of the best well and also like a lot of our other episodes that spotlight on nintendo consoles a great deal of the music we'll be playing comes from first party nintendo titles and games by nintendo but not everything so that's that's what's fun about nintendo month is occasionally we get to play non-nintendo tracks and today is a case of that uh a lot of nintendo though uh, on this and most of this uh playlist is classic stuff that you would expect really big beloved titles I tried to incorporate a handful of lesser expected ones in here as well. Um, but it's an it's an all-star playlist, and, and I could have taken the leftovers that didn't make this playlist, and it still would be an all-star playlist. Uh, there's no shortage of amazing Wii games and Wii soundtracks. Okay, so what you guys obviously heard playing in was the title screen from Wii Sports Resort. What a classic theme. Maybe one of the most nostalgic tracks on the whole playlist. That was composed, of course, by Nagamatsu. Uh, That game was so fun, but I think for a lot of us at the time... It felt like that game should have come out much earlier. It was like, okay, this is now really showcasing uh, maybe what the Wii is capable of. Uh, And it kind of took a while. (laughs) Yeah, it it was sort of the launch title of the Wii Motion Plus accessory. uh, This add-on to the regular Wii remote that allowed you to have gyroscopic control, which was a finer degree of motion. Uh, when the Wii really first took off, I mean, took the, three the years game, though, <laughs> the game Wii sports was such a massive, like global, everyone was playing it because it came yeah. with every copy of the Wii. Uh, and I think a, a lot of us were very excited at the time. It felt so futuristic to be controlling a video game with your hands. But then very quickly, mm. people realized that, you know, to swing the racket, all you have to do is just this little shake of the wrist. And it, people started to sort of realize that they could cheat. <laughs> they could cheat the accelerometer better than doing it earnestly. So Nintendo's right. answer to that was the Wii Motion Plus with a finer degree of movement. Um, and this game was so and much really fun. in a lot of ways this game that was an expanded Wii Sports that had a lot more additional sports and activities great soundtrack 
Um, so the Wii was released in November of 2006, and we're not going chronologically today other than this, which we're moving to, was one of the launch games. I love breaking the rules on Nintendo Month because I wouldn't be surprised if we included this in our GameCube episode. I tried to find titles today that were known for the Wii, so it's not really going to be fair if it was if it was released on like the PS3, the 360, and the Wii. I didn't really go for that. This game, I will say, is known for the Wii. It's The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. You think it fits, Will? Absolutely. And Twilight Princess is one of those games that has this sort of dual history and dual launch. I mean, much like Breath of the Wild, which released on both the Wii U and the Switch on the same day. So this is something that Nintendo has done several times. It seems like with the Zelda series, they just can't quite get their timing right. Or maybe Mm -hmm. this is an example of perfect timing. But I always thought it was strange to release a game at both the end and start of a new console generation. So even if we included this in the GameCube episode, we definitely didn't play this track. So let's play this one today to switch things up. This is Far and Woods which is a really interesting piece of music that is composed by Toru Minigishi from Twilight Princess, released for the Nintendo Wii. This is Farin Woods, Very Mysterious, from Twilight Princess, composed by Minigishi. And oddly enough, this one was very inspirational for me on Hero of Legend Volume 2. I found myself listening to this one time and time again, and something about the vibe of this track I was always trying to capture, I I think, uh, for that project. So that's kind of cool to think about. But yeah, this is obviously an amazing soundtrack. We've sung the praises of it so many times. It is nice to start out with one of the launch soundtracks for the Wii. Yeah, and where, you know, the this dated implementation in terms of these old virtual instruments mm. that sound either like general MIDI or almost like PS1 SNES samples, yeah. like it really basic sounds. The composition Super is just stellar. It's such evocative harmonies, melodically so interesting. What I love about this piece of music composed by Toru Minigishi is that it it fits in the Zelda series, yet I feel like it asserts the style, sound, and the whole um, kind of 
mythology of this particular Zelda title. There's something about the harmonies and the colors in this piece of music that is so distinctly Twilight. Um, and I, yeah, this is maybe one of the first pieces in the game that comes to mind when I think of the style of Toru Minigishi in the same way oh, that yeah. one of the tracks we'll be playing upcoming from Super Mario Galaxy, I think is sort of the quintessential Mahito Yokota composition in that right. it's not a pastiche to Koji Kondo. It fits in that world, Establishing but its, it's own a sound. new sound. And, and it's, I think- a, its own vibe, too. I mean, this yeah. game... One of the things that's so impressive about the score is the sense of vibe and atmosphere, in addition to great melodies. And, you know, there's cute music, there's exciting music, but there's there's a vibe to it that is super special. Well, and the idea of just sort of guitar arpeggio in low reed colors there's Mm. something very woodland about it but also so perfect for zelda it sounds like a fable or old folk tale and farron woods is a little bit of a threatening you know this is the first area in the game where you actually encounter enemies that you can fight and that can attack you so the music is meant to be a little bit unsettling at times well i'm really excited to move on to such a fun score It's composed by Tomoya Tomita, a classic figure on our podcast. It's Wario Land, Shake It. Uh, We're going to play Stone Carving City, Return. You guys are listening to Stone Carving City Return, and I'm so excited to spend a few minutes reminiscing about our experiences with Wario Land Shake It. I had such a great time with this game, and I will say that this soundtrack really charged me up, and I think all three of us Brigham Brothers up. It kind of made me pay extra attention to Tomoyo Tamita. It might be the first soundtrack um, that I heard from him where I was actually knowing that person's name, you know, looking at the credits, and oh, Tomoyo Tamita, I should look into that, and you know, this was before we started the podcast and went back and saw, oh, okay, this is someone who's worked, you know, in video game music for a while. And you know, eventually I would realize how much I would love his music. Uh, it's a great game. It's kind of an underrated game, at least now. Like, I would love to, to see kind of like a re-release of this because I, I thought it was really fun. And the music is just so great. This is what they do in, in, in this series sometimes is you have to backtrack 
And so the music will amp up when you have to get all the way back to the beginning of the stage again. That's the case with this. Well, what I think is interesting is Tomoya Tamita, I think, is a composer who definitely has a, a sound. In I, oh, yeah. I say that in that, you know, this doesn't necessarily sound like Yoshi's Woolly World in terms of aesthetic, but I do think in terms of energy and his approach to scoring games, it's very distinct in that... Mm-hmm. I get the sense that, you know, he always wants the music to be fun and he wants the music oh, to be it's so fun, so really lively, positive and a, and a happy, enjoyable experience. Even if it's he'll he'd sacrifice like a fun piece of music for total immersion in the world or the emotion yeah. that you're meant to feel. And so what's interesting is, you know, the only two Wario Land games that I've really ever played is this one in Wario Land 4 on the GBA. Love in Wario 4. Land 4. Or that it's a great soundtrack, but um, composed by Ryoji Yoshitomi, who is known for his quirky compositional choices. And that mm-hmm. music oftentimes can be very dark and disturbed and, and bizarre. Hilarious. And it's like this is such a different approach because every track is sort of this pastiche, muzak background music, elevator music sort of some style funk in there. Yeah, yeah it's lounge. really fun and very melodic in front and center. And I think. I think it complements this beautiful hand-drawn art style that the game mm. has this beautiful animated yeah. style absolutely man it's such a fun game and if anyone hasn't listened to that soundtrack go back it's a it's a classic tomoyo tomita score maybe the start of his renaissance era <laughs> you could say all right let's move on to super smash brothers brawl we have to include something from this i thought it was fitting to include an original piece of music not an outstanding remix Um, This is the melody that Uematsu composed. I thought it would be fun to play Battlefield, which is more of a gamey kind of Wii era sound. Uh, So I thought it'd be fun to, to play this version of the melody. It's Battlefield from Brawl. Let's take a listen. guys listening to one of the most classic game music melodies this is battlefield (laughs) a wii era rendition i thought it was fun to change things up and play this version it's from brawl uh the piece is composed by uematsu i'm not sure who did this arrangement this game came out 14 years ago so you're hearing (laughs) virtual instruments that are definitely dated by our standards in 2021 um but at the time 
this was this was pretty darn exciting very great exciting music regardless and such an excellent composition i mean i love this this melody this is maybe one of my all-time favorite uematsu compositions the opening title which i know is divisive a lot of people don't like the classical singing and the operatic quality but hopefully but they would I, like I this i love the i love the scope of what that piece is able to do and i think to me, I remember buying this game and putting it in and playing it for the first time, and I remember just thinking, whoa, they've really elevated Smash Brothers to a whole new level. Like, it's just, it, it, it felt just incredibly epic at the time, and the game mm. itself, I, I was just so excited. It was the first time they introduced, um, really, some non-Nintendo uh, IP, like yeah. Snake and Sonic, uh, and, and so when it that comes was a to big music, deal. It was a lot of surprises. It was a lot of really big swings, at least in in my memory of some arrangements that you might not be expecting, even some composers like no one expected Uematsu to be involved. Um, So this could have been arranged either by Takahiro Nishi was one of the lead original composers as well. Shogo Sakai composed some original music. So it could have been uh, one of them did this arrangement here, but yeah, it's it was a really really awesome soundtrack. It actually might be my favorite uh, Smash Brothers soundtrack if I had to pick one. I really like the the remixes in there as well. Yeah, the remixes are great, and I mean you you just can't beat this theme. I mean it's just yeah. What I love, it's so Russian. Like there's something yeah. about it that has a it's quality Tetris-y. of Russian folk music. Um, but Absolutely. it's perfect for the sort of operatic presentation that it gets in the beginning. And it's like, I mean, he just wrote an incredible anthem that's this mm-hmm. battle, you know, Carmina Burana-esque chorus and orchestra piece, but it's for these classic video game characters fighting it out. And there's something so tongue-in-cheek about that that I really yeah. appreciated um, back when this game came out. Oh, so good. All right, let's move on to a choice that some of you might not be expecting. A little bit of a lesser <laughs> appreciated game, definitely compared to something like Brawl, right? This is De Blob 2, which has a fantastic funk and jazz score by John Guscott. And I did I did also want to say, uh, similar to a lot of episodes like this, this is almost, almost all music that we've played before on the podcast, but never in one episode. So the context here today is different. Some of these tracks, it's been a long time since we've played too, so it'll be nice to hear them again, such as this track, Paradise Island.
You guys are listening to Paradise Island from De Blob 2, composed by the wonderful John Guscott. And I love scores like this in, I guess, the Wii era, but in, in, in similar eras where it seems like this is an outside jazz composer that is kind of blissfully ignorant of some of the VGM traditions. Like, he was like, oh yeah, I, I'm going to work on this game and I'm going to write it for this real ensemble and we're going to record it and we're going to do it legit and it's like it sounds better than 90% of Wii soundtracks because of that it's just so incredibly legit so good totally and what delightful and fun music and it so fits at home on a Nintendo episode where we're focusing on a classic Nintendo console and this is such Nintendo sounding music the reverence for these old pastiche jazz styles very melodic writing and in general just that sense of fun and eclecticism being the driving force of game music. And also, and I I alluded to it, but I will say this came out in 2011, it looks like. And so ahead of its time when it comes to the production here, I mean, this was a a cut above what we soundtracks typically sounded like. Um, And think about that, a year before we even started the podcast. Uh, And it sounds just as fresh as ever. That's one of the things, one of the advantages of of real performance, right? Well, and that's the thing is it's not like there weren't hardware limitations of yeah. why it had to you know sound like this. It, Maybe this just is, some stylistic choices. Yeah, I mean I think that's the interesting thing is for me I still think of the Wii as like a new console and I think it's part of it's partly because on the audio uh, side of things really the only thing that's been a limitation is what you can fit on a disc uh yeah and finally that there hasn't wasn't, changed for a long time there wasn't like a, a weird limitation that the other rival consoles didn't have it was like finally they're on the same you know footing <laughs> as everyone else with the Wii. okay let's move on to a wonderful score it's kirby's return to dreamland which is definitely going to have a place today Let's play Sky Tower. It's been a while since we've heard this one. Composed by Hirokazu Ando. Here we go. listening to the delightful and caffeinated (laughs) sky tower from return to dreamland by ando such a busy piece of music i would like to talk a little bit will if we can about just this composition and just the crazy blistering changes that are thrown at you and the, the melody just dancing on top of it 
you know, Ando is making it sound effortless and natural, uh, but this is a, a piece of music that is really hard to compose and takes a lot of skill <laughs> and precision. Well, yeah, and it, it sounds effortless because it's just so satisfying. It's well, it's a well-constructed melody. It's a chord progression. It's a awesome. chord progression that's yeah functional and makes sense, but in arrangement that's just so colorful and. Um, doing so many things at once. I, I Dude, really I love, love the, the sounds here. <laughs> yeah, I, it was I, I, such a fun time. He was starting to explore some really cool things on the production side of things. Yeah. Mixing these acoustic and electronic elements and uh, doing things with EQ and filters and compression and reverb. And it, it, it sounds like it's kind of, you know, stylistically, it's Kirby through and through. But yeah. on a production standpoint, it, it feels a little bit more savvy and um, a little bit more cutting edge, uh, which I think makes the music all the more effective. Yeah, this is one of my favorite um, this is, I think, kind of an underrated score on the Wii. I mean, there's so much great Kirby music, but uh, this is this track in particular. I mean, it's one of the all-time greats in the series. Let's move on to a really awesome rhythm game called Rhythm Heaven Fever, which has a killer score. This was released for the Wii. Let's play Remix 7, composed by Masami Yone. guys listening to remix 7 which is so much fun it does have adhd but i think that's the point uh this is going to be a challenging one to play along with because it's changing all the time composed by yone so good will do you remember this track it feels like a marcado bros classic at this point yeah it's so strong melodically lots of really beautiful jazz changes but those changes of rhythmic feel and tempo where it goes into this sort of laid back swung rhythm and then back into Mm. this catchy house dance music um it's definitely uh, that sort of sugary sweet japanese electronic sound that a lot of game music of the 2000s i think um kind of has these sort of aesthetic colors but man it's just i mean this style i I imagine something like this was just an instant classic you know i wasn't familiar with this game when it came out and i've never been super into rhythm games but i can only imagine hearing this you know for the first time and just being in love in addition to i know these games are very popular if there's going to be one rhythm game that makes our Wii episode, it's got to be Rhythm Heaven Fever because it's it has that Nintendo flair to it. It's like dance music, but sugary. There's chiptune elements. It's just it's just perfect. 
Uh, let's move on. It was so funny. I was going through, you know, looking at the list of all the Wii games, and I, it was like three-fourths of the way through that process, and I was like, oh my gosh, like we have to include one system track, and it's got to be the Wii Shop channel. I can't imagine doing this episode and not playing the Wii Shop channel, right? Well, I mean, that would be a crime. Yeah, I mean, all the, the Wii system music is some of Tataka's best and has yes. really stayed within the culture and the zeitgeist. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this music is like kind of such a meme for people who grew up with it, but yeah, it, it, it can't be more nostalgic and feel good than this track. And one quick thing is some of you that are scratching your heads. We had an episode called, I think of the Wii series, but remember that was only like Wii sports, Wii music, we play, we fit that stuff. Uh, so it wasn't, it wasn't this, this topic. That being said, we shop channel by the wonderful Tataka. Here we go. go for some shopping <laughs> i actually play this every time i you know doing amazon shopping uh we shop channel by tataka it's i mean this could be track that we could be a little silly because it's not from a game but uh you know if you had to pick one theme that encompasses what the Wii felt like it's kind of this one right yeah i mean it was so delightful i remember hearing this for the first time uh, I mean, this music is so strong. It's this perfect sort of Latin jazz thing. It's it sounds very much like his Mario Paint music, yeah. and and um, it's it's we've talked about it, but it's retro and it's futuristic at the same time with right. the instruments. It's like it, it never ages, and we talked about it last week with Animal Crossing. But this is a track, and of course, it's Tataka because he has ties to that series. Oh, Will, I have to mention something, too, but uh, that I found out. But um, you're never going to get sick of this one. I mean, this one could be looping for five hours, and you're not going to get sick of it. Oh, yeah. Un- undeniably, such a s- solid composition. Uh, one of those things that it's amazing the first time you hear it and amazing the 500th time you hear it. Absolutely. Let's move to the Sonic series now. Yeah, we actually do have an entry. Uh, I could have done Sonic Unleashed, but that was a case where it was released on multiple platforms. So to me, it didn't quite fit. But this was a Wii exclusive originally. It's Sonic Colors. Really fun score. Uh, Tropical Resort Act 2 is what I have on the docket today to play. It's composed by Tomoya Otani. Here we go.
You guys are listening to Tropical Resort Act 2, which is a really colorful, obviously, piece of music from Sonic Colors composed by Otani. And I wanted to just say that some of you may have seen on Friday, so if you're listening to this on release a few days ago, I may or may not have released a little reveal trailer, very short, of a new Sonic-esque album that is going to be coming out in December. So look forward to more details on that, but head on over to my YouTube channel if you want to see that little teaser reveal. And for those of you who don't know, uh, Carl has made so far four albums of Sonic music, music in a 16-bit Genesis style with some more modern synths in there um Mm -hmm. but yeah these albums are fantastic so if you haven't listened to them already now is a great opportunity to do so because there's a fifth one in the works and also Mm -hmm. it's fun playing this track now because this game uh was recently um ported to the switch in sort of an updated which was such a good idea such a good idea to do that it's a great score i really am a fan of it i probably like unleashed a little more as far as like the number of tracks that i go to um but there's some bangers on colors and i'm glad that it had a spot on today's playlist look forward to more details about that album soon okay all right guys we're gonna go to super mario galaxy a little known title (laughs) um we have to play this track will was mentioning it before it's it's kind of like in some ways it feels like mihito yakoda's proof of concept i don't know if it, it wasn't but it feels that way this is the sound the really clear and new, fresh sound that he established for this amazing game. Space Junk Galaxy. so good well i'm thinking of similar things that uh i was thinking about when i heard the we shop channel where this doesn't age because it's such a cool combination of futuristic sounds and like purposefully i don't want to say cheesy sounds but like that piano it's like it's clear that it's not a real piano and you know having the pad is just such a cool touch 
This music just doesn't age. It feels just as vibrant and colorful as it did in 2007. Well, and partially that's because it's just such a sensitive and beautiful composition. The melody yeah. is exceptionally strong and it's also motivic. You know, it's built on the, you know, motif that starts the game off. Bum, 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 bum. That sort of Lydian right. idea that is really kind of the the main motif of Super Mario Galaxy. And so this track feels like such a powerful emotional moment because it's one of the first points in the game that that motif is called back to in the level music but in such a different context and also hearing this atmospheric composition in a mario game is something so new and he found such an elegant way to do it in a in a way that feels like it it fits with the sort of orchestral sophistication of a lot of the rest of the soundtrack and it's also so yeah and, and the reason why it was so important is because this game was branded as oh for the first time an orchestral soundtrack orchestral orchestral um but the thing that's a little bit more complicated about mario galaxy is Part of it is, but some of the most iconic music is not orchestral. And so I think it was so important in the course of playing this game. This is a fairly early galaxy, you know, one of the first hubs that you, that you get to, to to get to Space Junk Galaxy. And so, yeah, the vibe of this and this kind of palette is just as important and immersive as the, the great orchestral music. Yeah, and I, what's so great about it is to me it's like that left-hand piano arpeggio is so almost neoclassical it's gorgeous but this melody and the simplicity of it is so mario i mean it's like compositionally too this shares a lot in common with something like the from mario 3 the underwater and it's very condo-esque how pure the melody is the sort of overall chord progression but yeah the the way he produced this and the unique mixture of timbre harmony and melody that he has in this composition is so distinct to him and really makes super mario galaxy have its own Mm. brand with the music and this is something that you know if anyone else did this it would immediately be oh that's super mario galaxy and it's so cool that they were able to find that sound for such a well established franchise that it's like to go in such a different direction and to have something almost more iconic and more specific to not only mario but you Mm. know mario galaxy and you guys might be scratching your heads and that's correct that wasn't our track of the week so what in the world could our track of the week be we'll just have to wait and see Okay, let's move on to Xenoblade Chronicles, an outstanding score. We had an episode that featured the first and the second game. Uh, Let's play Guar Plains, which was composed by Ace Plus.
You guys are listening to Guar Plains from Xenoblade Chronicles. This track was composed by Ace Plus, and listening to this track made me realize that I have a feeling Xenoblade Chronicles was one of the many scores that Nishiki was probably influenced by with Octopath Traveler, because even if you're just talking about the combination of instruments and some of the arrangement choices, kind of similar to what he landed on uh, in Octopath Traveler. So yeah, I think this score, among others, had to have uh, been an inspiration. It's just an outstanding score no matter what, and this is one of my favorite tracks from it. Yeah, really strong. I like kind of speculating about Nishiki, you know, being influenced by it. It's possible I'm mistaken. The other thing that I thought is like, the drums in this are are such an interesting choice because they're I love they're it. such a juxtaposition from the very tragic and climactic mood of the rest of the composition. There's something right. dour about the music that this lively upbeat drum beat um, fights against, and I think that's very much intentional. Um, oh, to yeah. have this sort of layered approach to nuance and emotion. It's something that game music can do so well is have these juxtaposed you know, layers of music. It's, it's an easy yeah. technique to make music and games feel dynamic by adding you know, different layers. You jump on Yoshi, you have the bongos, etc. Um, but it's like sometimes that layer, rather than just being an extra little piece of ear candy or something that makes the player feel like the music is responding to their action, sometimes having um, contrast and uh, juxtaposition of having multiple elements that fight against each other rather than go in agreement. And I think that ambiguity that comes from that is one of the most interesting aspects of music and particularly mm. music for media um, it's it's such a useful tool to be able to use contrast in that way, whether it's, you know, the contrast of a minor tonality with a lively, upbeat, you know, backing track, or whether it's the contrast of, you know, maybe a really edgy, you know, piece harmonically and melodically, but with a very quirky and innocent sounding ensemble. I mean, I think like the Rayman origins, the Lum Lum music is a perfect example of a really serious heartfelt composition with such a throwaway tongue in cheek presentation. There's something that's so appealing about that. I think this series has a lot of really effective contrast in the music. And one of the things that I'm thinking about is that this game has uh, day and night versions. And so Guar Plains Night, uh, I'm also a big fan of. And as you might expect, it contrasts nicely with the day arrangement. Really solid music. Wow, this playlist is outstanding. All right, <laughs> let's move back to Tomoya Tamita to the next game that he scored after Wario Land. It was Kirby's Epic Yarn. Such a delightful score. Let's take a listen to Flower Fields.
You guys are listening to Flower Fields from Kirby's Epic Yarn. Such a special and unique score, partly because it's <laughs> composed by Tomoyo Tamida and not the classic Kirby composers. It feels very different for a Kirby game, um, and I think that was the intention. It's it's a really gentle and beautiful soundtrack. I mean, a lot of this music from Epic Yarn I think would be perfect like lullaby music to try to put a baby to sleep. It's just super, super pleasing, and uh, this is a track that kind of has some Undertale vibes to it a little bit to me. Um, I totally I hear exactly what Toby you're talking was a about. Fan of <laughs> this track, but yeah, what a great score. Great track. Yeah, it balances this sort of like innocent lullaby-esque pianistic style with a very Nintendo-y, um, you know, nostalgic quasi jazzy sound which is it's just perfect for this title it it absolutely fits the aesthetic um and i think it's a great segue into what this same studio did later with yoshi's with the woolly yoshi and stuff, crafted yeah. world which to definitely me also did such great work woolly on. as far as the music yeah crafted world is definitely more of a misstep but uh yeah Wo- woolly world's such a great soundtrack in some ways that maybe is my personal favorite Tomoya to me to score it's maybe his masterpiece but um anyway we've we've done an episode on that check that out everybody epic yarn is also very good we haven't done an epic yarn spotlight so that that we have to consider that maybe at some point um oh no i'm giving away (laughs) i'm giving away this month topics uh who knows maybe that is gonna come back i'm not gonna say anything else okay uh we're gonna move to the mario and sonic at the Olympic Games series. This is the 2012 London Olympic Games, which is an awesome score. So many great tracks I could play from this. Uh, Not just wonderful remixes, but wonderful original music. Let's do this one. Let's do the staff roll, which is very exciting. Don't know who composed this, but it is uh, by the Sega Digital Studio sound team. Here we go. listening to the staff role for mario galaxy oh sorry mario <laughs> mario and sonic at the london 2012 games yeah it's this series is mind-boggling because the music it's nice that the music is good but the music doesn't have to be this phenomenal i mean this is this could be a galaxy staff role it's it's that good i mean the fact that they got some orchestral tracks the fact that the composition is so 
strong, so exciting and inspired. I mean, it's it's awesome. I just wish that in some ways this music was used for <laughs> not better games, but more important games. Maybe I'm just being close-minded. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, the Mario and Sonic games are such a cool idea, and I'm glad they have great soundtracks because I think it's a great... I wouldn't change anything. Yeah, it's a great way for especially younger gamers to become acquainted with all of these video game characters, and it's also such a dream and so trippy to me still that Mario and Sonic can be in the same game together because they were such rivals but it was always this meta thing back in the 90s and now they can actually go head to head in an actual game the thing that's always interesting about these games is that the Sega sound team always just seems to get allocated a much larger budget for these soundtracks than a lot of Nintendo yeah. games get. And I think that's where some of the um, maybe resentment the that you're expressing comes from because it's like uh, it, it's less reflective on this and it's more just like why can't Nintendo games have this kind of sound? It's true. Um, but what's also so fun is we get to hear so much excellent Nintendo music reimagined and reinterpreted in this series. And I mean, this is just a delightful orchestral composition. It's so well orchestrated. It makes use of all of the group's you know, the woodwind colors are beautiful. All of the mallet percussion, the string writing, the brass. It's, it's you know, neoclassical for sure. It's so gorgeous. And uh, yeah. it also, I think, fits the scope of both of these characters. And also there's something about it that that feels British. It, it fits with, you know, London Olympics. It's very royal and stately, which I it's think true. is definitely intentional. But it, it's it's cool how a piece of music, it's like, this really does feel like it fits for Mario and Sonic at the London no, Olympics. No, it absolutely you know? does. It's one of those situations where it's like, all I will say is the music of that series is surprisingly amazing. Like it's maybe the best thing about the series and the soundtracks. I go back to them all the time. If you like remixes, Oh, you got to check it out. If you just like great video game music, you got to check it out. All right, let's move on. Uh, we're going back to the Zelda series. Yes. The system saw two mainline entries. This is the legend of Zelda skyward sword. Uh, we're going to play Fee's Farewell, which is so beautiful and emotional. Let's give the list of composers here. And I haven't looked up uh, which composer wrote this theme for Fee, uh, but we can speculate. If you don't want me to look it up, it'd be fun to maybe speculate. We have Hajime Wakai, Shiho Fuji. I could, I could see Fuji maybe doing this one. Uh, Mahito Yokota didn't do very much, I believe, on this one. Uh, Takeshi Hama and Koji Kondo, who also didn't do very much. Let's take a listen to Fee's Farewell from Skyward Sword.
You guys are listening to Fee's Farewell, and uh, Will called it. He is right. Uh, maybe he looked it up at some point. But yes, this was composed by Takeshi Hama, who did all of the really great music, basically, from Skyward Sword. All of my favorite tracks, it looks like, mm-hmm. uh, he composed. Um, so, yeah, hats off to Hama. Hats off to all these composers. What an incredible score. Hmm. Yeah, I, I love the Skyward Sword music. I know it's something that wasn't totally appreciated when it came out and not to say fine wine there's definitely so well there's stuff that i don't care for in the overall ost and so i think part of the experience too of just twilight princess is so vast and the music is so serious and uh, adult and this game is so different the opening is much more it feels much more like a studio ghibli film like an you know anime kind of storytelling style and so the music is very orchestral and lush um but it's yeah. so exceptionally well done and there's so many wonderful delightful it's melodies it's just so cinematic i mean i think it just increases the emotional response so much and i think when you think about it in that way you have to give it credit you have to give it props and to me it yeah, I mean, ages all the really big well. emotional moments that this is the thing that's so strange is like the the approach with skyward sword it really felt like all the big emotional character moments are where the budget for the music went and i right. get the sense with breath of the wild that there was almost like a different kind of emphasis with the score and i think it's because the nature of the games they're kind of opposite it's like yeah Skyward Sword, the whole world is essentially one large interconnected dungeon. And so it's kind of it's it's less of like an open world game and it's much more all the environments are very gamey and puzzle solving. So it's super linear in a sense. Um, which it was really cool and it was such an evolution of Zelda gameplay, I felt at the time it had some of the best I know dungeons. For me, I think a lot of people would, would feel the same way is Skyward Sword was a soundtrack that I didn't fully appreciate at the time. The fact that it sounded different and was taking a different swing, I I maybe was like, oh, this this isn't Zelda. This doesn't feel right. And I think I was just kind of uh, ignorant and naive, I think, when I first listened to it. But it has become one of my favorite scores in the series, I will say. All right, let's move on to another surprising choice. Uh, I wanted to include... Some lesser-known games, at least comparatively. <laughs> this is Morumasa the Demon Blade, which is a really killer score. We've played this track before. It's Scattering Petals, composed by Yoshimi Kudo.
absolutely killer. You guys are listening to Scattering Petals Arranged from Muramasa the Demon Blade, composed by Yoshimi Kudo. This is so good. I think I brought this in on Show and Tell a while back. Um, I can't believe how good it is. Yeah, I will say that this track and the next, uh, maybe maybe the, the two best tracks of the day, so good. Yeah, this is outstanding. I mean, the playing, the writing, it's, it's so much fun. Yeah. Gosh, I love the the mixture of almost like big band energy with this uh, kind of like traditional Japanese music. It's so playful and fun. This would be excellent. Uh, this would be like a great musical approach to, in like an animated film, like a Pixar or mm-hmm. or some kind of film that was set in Japan or had like a Japanese folk kind of backdrop. Yeah. I, I love this approach. The mixture of those two styles is really unique. Mm, so good. All right, as good as that is, we're moving on to this week's track of the week. And it is from, drumroll, Super Mario Galaxy 2, composed again by Mihito Yakoda. And I think it's very fitting to have this track of the week. I do think it's my favorite, you know, personally, on the playlist. But on top of that, this really embodies what was so special about this system. I mean, the fact that we got such a strong sequel to Mario Galaxy. It was such a great use of the system and of the controls in, 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 I think, kind of a tasteful way. Just the Mario Galaxy and the Mario Galaxy 2, how they used the Wii, I, I just thought was perfect. And the soundtrack is so inspired. Let's take a listen to Sky Station Galaxy. are listening to one of my favorite VGM themes, Sky Station Galaxy from Super Mario Galaxy 2, composed by Yakoda, which was released for the Nintendo Wii as a follow-up to Super Mario Galaxy, and you could not state how excited Will and myself were for this game. We were so giddy, could not wait to play this game, and we were so enthralled by it. The music, uh, the game, the visuals, everything about it. Yeah, it's <laughs> this was like <laughs> this was like Christmas coming early. I mean, when this game came yeah. out, I, I couldn't have been more excited. I mean, I, we're both just such huge Mario fans, and Galaxy was just massive. And the fact that there was going to be a sequel was—I I just couldn't well, even. I believe remember it. Will. 
sitting in the dining room table or maybe the kitchen table and discussing what do you think they're going to do next? And I was like, I just don't, I mean, what do you do after Galaxy? They almost have to completely go back to the drawing board. Never did I imagine that they were going to do a a straight sequel. So then when that was announced, it was just so exciting. And then, you know, I assumed it would be sort of a spinoff derivative. Like I assumed there would be much less orchestral music and they would reuse a lot of stuff. Little did I know that it would have more orchestral music. It was a yeah, larger and, game. There were more levels. It was even and the further reason expanded. why. I also really wanted to choose Sky Station um, as the track from Galaxy Two, but also as track of the week, is because we didn't play an orchestral piece from the first one. So of course we got to do you know this game's Gusty Garden in a lot of ways. Just so exciting and rousing and emotional. Man, Mihiro Yakoda, I, I I would love to hear another Yakoda composition in the next Mario game. Me too, man. Um yeah, it's he's just he's one of a kind. He what he did with those two games is legendary. And uh, it I is. mean, yeah, he's galactic. He, <laughs> that's for sure. It's it's definitely galactic. I would love if there were another game in the series. I mean, it's a shame that on the Wii U there was never a Super Mario universe. But, yeah. I mean, there could still be a Galaxy 3. There, I mean, who knows what could happen? Anything's possible. Well, it looks like we're going to move on to a Vert track on our Wii episode. Really? Yes, we are. Uh, it's Batman the Brave and the Bold, another surprising choice. Some of you probably weren't expecting this inclusion, but it's a really fun score. And when I was going through all kinds of good Wii scores, this one, I don't know, it just scratched an itch that maybe not a lot of others did. So I'm glad we can include it. Let's play Science Island Interior, composed by Jay Kaufman. You guys are listening to the funky, jazzy, and swanky Science Island Interior from Batman the Brave and the Bold. It's also a very funny score. It has a sense of humor, winking to the the origins of the Batman series here. This is composed by Jake Kaufman. Uh, There's also a DS version uh, of the score that I don't know if it's fully different or if it uses some similar themes, but that's also a really good score as well. What a fun inclusion today absolutely and it's it's just so fun to see jake in you know this kind of role that isn't how we think of him i mean i think you know i I never would have if i was introduced to him with something like this as great as this music is 
I I wouldn't have necessarily thought of him as like the second coming of musical Christ the way that I <laughs> think of him now. Um, and it's interesting. interesting. It's like I, I also remember the DuckTales remake that he worked on and being, mm-hmm. you know, the I thought the music was fine, but I wasn't was like fine, amazed yeah. by it or anything. And then it's like it wasn't until, you know, a few years later after Shovel Knight and Mighty Switch Force and once yeah. I became acquainted with all of his work that I realized, oh, man, he's done so much stuff all in these different mm-hmm. styles. And he's just such a versatile composer i mean it's like that he was born to write music for media because he can be a chameleon he can write in any style he's incredibly fast his music has so much humor to it and so much personality he's like a he he really his music is like an actor and he can do impressions and he can do accents and speak in all these different tongues um, and yeah, it's, I love I, that his sense of humor comes across in his music too, because he's a really funny person. And so totally. that's one of my favorite things about his music. And I'm well aware that this might've been a biased and silly choice. I mean, guys, anytime I have an excuse to include Jake on a playlist, I'm going to do it. So just know that. Uh, okay. Uh, we have two more tracks, including the play out and stick around for that because it's really good. This is super paper Mario came out for the Wii. And the composers we have are Naoko Mitome and Chika Sekigawa. Let's take a listen to Flipside. You guys are listening to Flipside, uh, the really fun interdimensional <laughs> town from Super Paper Mario. This is composed by Mitome and Sekigawa. It's a really fun and quirky score and fun and quirky game. Um, this narrowly uh, made the playlist. It was kind of between this and some others and felt right to include this. This is still my favorite game in the series. I love the music. Oh, really? I love the writing. I love the game mechanic. I like that it was less RPG and writing more so sort good. of straight ahead puzzle solving kind of It was of definitely up my style. alley for sure because I had a really hard time getting into the, the first two Paper Mario games just for the genre that they are. I mean, they're incredible games. It's just I just don't have that interest and attention span <laughs> maybe for those those kinds of games so yeah for me it was it was definitely uh, a lot more accessible and 
Uh, the music was just really charming. Yeah, I, I think this and the most recent um, are my favorite in the series. I mean, I yeah. think it, it, what's so cool about the Paper Mario series is they've done so much with it visually, musically. Um, it's gone in a lot of different directions, and it's one of those series that I, I sort of always trust Nintendo to like use it as an opportunity to play around with something new. And that's what I love about Nintendo in general. And as we sort of close out our episode today, I think something that I want to talk about is like, you know, a console is just uh, a machine that you play a game on, but really it's about the games themselves. And that's what the what music are you is written do for. To use that technology. Yeah. And, you know, the Wii was so limited in so many ways, but the thing that made it <laughs> strong when it was strong was the imagination and the game design. And the same can be said about the music of Nintendo. You know, they're not always the most polished, they don't always have the sharpest uh, productions or recordings, but when they succeed, they succeed because of imagination and because of the strength of their craft and the earnestness of the melodies and I think you know it's like when I hear something like this it just brings me back to how exciting it was to play this game for the first time and hear this music and that the attention to detail that goes into a piece of music like this it really helps immerse the player in the world i mean along with the mm-hmm. visual design and the writing and you know all all the attention to detail that goes into a great nintendo game i think it's imagination is the word that i keep going back to and i think that's something that the wii just excelled at on every front it would be fun to uh compare the overall musical quality of the wii to the gamecube if i would go through our playlists and just go through the list of you know, all the games released for those systems. It is hard to say. I mean, it's possible that the Wii kind of edges out the GameCube when it comes to musical quality. Just so much great stuff that we didn't even have time for today, let alone the stuff that was included. A very Nintendo-heavy playlist, and we're going to keep that going with our playout, which is from Mario Party 9. And I was listening through and was really charmed by this score. It's, it's really good. Maybe one of my favorite in the whole series. We're going to play out with toad road uh yeah what a nostalgic and fun episode we hope you guys enjoyed it for week two i wonder if anyone predicted this as a topic will did you have a good time today i had a great time and very nostalgic for me you know i was in fourth or fifth grade when the Wii came out and it was like yeah it was the most exciting thing that had happened it was like i was a freshman in college i'll never forget that i'll never forget going with my roommate uh, to wait outside, I think it was Walmart or Shopco or wherever, because uh, you know he was gonna buy one, um, and just staying up watching Twilight Princess, also skipping class for like at least one day, maybe two days of class to play Mario Galaxy, <laughs> my sophomore year. I'll yeah, see, I was in too. college when the Switch came out, um, and I mm. had sort of a similar experience, and then you know you and I got the Wii U together. Um, and that was after we started the podcast. <laughs> that, was, but it, that was a hilarious night. <laughs> I remember everyone walking into Best Buy was so confused because no one had heard of what the Wii U is. Oh, what's that? <laughs> right. And we thought it was going to sell out. <laughs> Meanwhile, Nintendo's like going to give them away to people. Like, please <laughs> take this. Oh, funny. Yeah, no, well, but guys, so many good I hope memories. you enjoyed this episode, and I look forward to the future episodes on this month. Um, I don't know. Are we going to do Epic Yarn or not? We're just going to have to wait and see. 
I think that's about it. Enjoy this Mario Party 9 track. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out. Peace out.